Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. The way this bullpen has fit together in September has really been eye-opening, uh, especially what Gallegos and Cabrera have done at the end of the games has been so important. You know, it really changes the way that we should all look at the Cardinals and what they're capable of because if they're going to make a run in October, they're going to need that bullpen to be great. I've covered a lot of teams that have won the World Series in so many different ways, but I always feel like you got to dominate some part of the game. It's either going to be the beginning of the game or the end of the game, and I think the Cardinals now set up to potentially dominate the ends of games, and that's really going to be important. Totally agree. That was Jason Stark last week on our show, the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN, Tuesday edition of the show. It is the eve before winner take all against the Dodgers. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. Um, I happen to agree with them. You know, you can look at this in all kinds of ways. Who's going to be that one starter that goes off? Maybe you have a David Freeze step up type of postseason for somebody. Yeah, that could happen. But generally speaking, Is there some area of the ball club, the team, that uh, stands out? And the way I look at it, BK, even tomorrow night, if if Adam Wainwright is is sharp uh, but runs into a little bit of trouble, man, I feel good about TJ McFarlane coming in. I feel good with a rested big three. I feel good about uh, Luis Garcia. I love what I saw to Cody Whitley here down the stretch. So, you know, you're talking six or seven guys that can be difference makers, and that's hard to imagine where this team was a few months ago, but their bullpen has turned into a strength, and I I happen to agree with Jason Stark. That's the one thing I look at because I don't know if other guys are going to go very deep in my rotation, so let's turn it over to the bullpen and see what they can do. Yeah, it's pretty clear the weakness of this team. I think we can all agree the weakness is the rotation going into the postseason. The strength, though is almost everything else. And it's kind of weird to be able to say that now after where we've been. But I think some of the analysis that I've been reading, Dan, I've kind of been disappointed by, I got to be honest, because they're looking at it through the lens of the entire season. And that's great, except for the fact that the team that we watched in June is not the same team team that we've been watching the last two months. And I'm not saying that just because the Cardinals have been winning over the last two months. I'm talking about the personnel, the people, the humans that are playing on the baseball field are different than what we watched in June and in May. So I don't know how you can go into this breaking down the matchup of the Dodgers versus the Cardinals that we're going to watch tomorrow night without taking that into account and saying, hey, maybe we should look at what these teams have done over the last two months. And uh, it's winner-take-all. And so in a winner-take-all, I throw it all out the window because you're going to manage differently than you would in a five-game series or a seven-game series. So you take it on the chin in one game and you go, well... You know, I got a couple of guys that maybe I'd like to rest out there. We're down by five runs, so I'm going to, you know, concede this game, so to speak. Tomorrow, you don't. You don't like Max Scherzer after three innings? You take him out if you're Dave Roberts and you go to your unlimited stock of players that you have, it seems like. And if you're Mike Schilt, Adam Wainwright gets you through four. You come up third time through a lineup. He starts to be shaky. You get him out. 
that's how you manage a winner take all. You go with fresh arms and you find uh, you, you you just try to survive the nine innings and come out on top. That's how you manage. And then you figure it out from there in the DS. That's like right. That, this is all hands on deck. Your best arms are all available. If you've got a situation in the ninth inning where you've got Yadier Molina on and you need that run. It is the most important run. You got to pinch run for him. Like these are the kinds of decisions that you have to be willing to make. And I believe Mike Schilt will be willing to make when you're in these kinds of games. Is Wayno going to be mad at you if you take him out after four? Yeah, probably. If there's a big pinch hitting spot that comes up in the top of, or the, in the fourth inning and you've got to determine, man, Wayno looks solid, but there was a little bit of shakiness there in the third inning. Do we go to the pinch hitter here? Do we keep Wayno in? Be aggressive. Go make that move. You've got the arms to be able to fill back for it. Those are the kinds of things that you see in a, a winner-take-all type of a situation. I can't wait to see how he manages this thing. I think he's going to get the, the base running going if you're able to get guys on base. I think the defense is going to be spectacular. I, I cannot wait to see how Mike Schilt's able to manage this game. I'm really looking forward to just, first of all, I don't think enough has been made of Max Scherzer, Adam Wainwright. We're talking about two of the best pitchers of their era when they played. One is going to the Hall of Fame. The other one's going to their team's Hall of Fame, the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And if he, you know, he hasn't said the next year's it. And and who knows? I mean, he's getting a lot of people out. You take away the fact that he had two full seasons that he missed. And I've been saying this for a couple of years. He's borderline Hall of Fame for the era in which he played. He's been that good. I really believe that. And if he adds to the numbers, you never know. So we're talking about, though, big picture, two of the best of their era. Guys that have won Cy Youngs, guys that have finished in top five, guys that have won championships. They've, they've had closeout games. Wayno's been in that in 2013, went the distance against Garrett Cole and the Pirates and closed them out. He finished off a World Series. Max Scherzer pitched in a World Series and pitched brilliantly with a bad back. I mean, this is fun. That's the part that, that, that is really cool about this. The other part is Tyler O'Neill is on another planet right now. <laughs> So that's an aspect of this that I, I'm looking forward to. What does he really do is, uh, you know, may, if they make a run, what what do those numbers look like? Nolan Arenado's first postseason with the Cardinals. Um, the injury to Max Muncie, as we talk about Huge. the immediate, he protects Trey Turner. So, you know, how do you, how do you approach that? And if he can go tomorrow, he's a he's a MVP type bat. And all of a sudden he's not in there. That's massive. The way that I described it yesterday, Dan, because I think a lot of people hear the name Max Muncie and they're like, oh, yeah, one of their position players that they it's interchangeable. He, he's not that way. This no. year he's been an MVP candidate. This would be like the Cardinals losing Paul Goldschmidt yeah. and replacing him with Matt Carpenter, because I know Bellinger again, going back to the name thing. Bellinger's a big name, been in the MVP conversation like this guy is a stud except that he wasn't this year. He was one of the worst everyday players in the sport. His numbers are worse this year than Matt Carpenter. So that's the drop-off that we're talking about here. Now, they can make up for it because they have seven other dudes that have an OPS over 800 in that lineup, but it's a big loss nonetheless. Here's something that I was thinking about. Um, let's just say he cannot go, okay? And I think that's my expectation right now based on all the reporting that I've seen out of L.A. We'll so see, but... You know, this is the this is the human element of sports that you will not find on a stat sheet. If you're Dave Roberts, would you start Albert Pujols against the Cardinals? I don't care if it's Adam Wainwright. I don't care if it's a righty at right. I, I understand the numbers, and I understand that Albert. I mean, you could even just go by the numbers that Albert might be the better option over Cody Bellinger. Could, and um, it's not a lefty. And I, Typically, if I'm yeah. Dave Roberts, I, I'd like to save him for a lefty late. I'd, I would save him for... TJ McFarland, I would save him for 
Cabrera, whatever. However, this is the human element of the sport. You have Albert Pujols, and I have a chance to start him against a team that had a couple of chances to bring him back and didn't. You don't think he's motivated to to get after the Cardinals? I might think about doing that. I hadn't even thought about the possibility, and I'm mad at myself right now for not having thought about it. It makes a lot of sense. That's Um, the human element, right? Me saying right now, Cody Bellinger is going to continue to stay on the bench, and you're going to throw pools out there. It sounds funny because they haven't if you done think that. About Poole, if you think about Bellinger, like the name has this cachet to it that you would expect him to be playing better than he has this he's year. He's been but awful. He, he's been terrible. The One of the only good games so he's had all year was that game against Carlos Martinez right. earlier first this inning, year. He drove yeah. in six runs in the first Other inning. Than that, he's been awful this year. Right. So I think you can make a really strong case for it. I don't know that that's what they'll do. Because they I might be either. thinking big picture and long term as well. But, I, man, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. So throw the I analytics out, right? And just say, this is a hunch that I'm going to go with future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters of his generation, really one of the greatest hitters that ever played this game. And the Cardinals had a couple of shots to bring him back if they wanted and didn't do it. And he wants to go out there and show him, you know what, I'm going to knock you out of postseason play. I'm, I'm going to take that bet. I'll bet, you know, I lessen myself defensively, understanding that, but it's the risk that I run having him come up four times against the Cardinals. And I'll think, you know, I would think about it. Yeah. I think it's worth at least considering if you're, if you're Dave Roberts, man, that's a really interesting conversation to have for him. I, I don't know. I don't know what they would do there. They've just they've got to think so about many different interchangeable pieces that I wonder if they even get a little more funky with it. I don't know what the option would be there, but Man, they have so many good players on that team and so much yes. depth that uh, maybe you consider. I don't even know if Chris Taylor has played an inning of first base in his life. Uh, do you consider it? Because they've got other outfielders that could be options for them. I mean, they, they could get really wild with the way that they go go about managing this game. So we've got uh, Jeff Bannister, who is with the uh, the Pirates for a long time. Also former Major League Manager. Also Brad Osmus, who is head-to-head with the Cardinals and all those great teams with Houston. And then obviously a manager in Detroit and other places. So we get uh, loaded up with the ex-manager uh, and probably future manager guest list here today. So we'll do that next. We'll come up and visit with uh, Jeff Bannister coming up next. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. When he was with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, which was a long, long time, he was awesome. The Pirates bench coach and former Texas Rangers manager and also the AL manager of the year, and that is Jeff Bannister, has been kind enough to join us on 101 ESPN here in St. Louis. Hey, Jeff, great to catch up, hear your voice, and, and thanks for hopping on to talk a little baseball with us. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be on somewhere and let somebody hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask you that. Are you looking to get back in? What What are you uh, up to these days? Absolutely. No, there's, uh, you know, it's it, yesterday's one of those days, right? When, when you know um, the changes are going to be made in, in, in certain locations and it, you feel for, for coaches and managers and uh, that, uh, are going through that. I've been through that. Uh, however, it's 
it obviously creates opportunities for other people and it's the nature of our business, but love to get back into it. Uh, help a, help a ball club and organization, uh, change their trajectory. Absolutely. Um, what is it like to whether you're the bench coach or you're the manager and you're Mike Schilt right now and you're Ali Marmol, you're sitting in LA, you're going to have your workout. You're thinking about all the different scenarios that unfold, but it's a winner take all. So this isn't like some game in June and this isn't a series. It's a winner take all. How do you approach managing in these types of games where everything is on the line? Well, first of all, you got to trust the, the information that you're getting from all your people, and you you got to make sure that that the players that you have available to you are are ready to go. Uh, I mean, this is it can be a high stress situation for a lot of different reasons. It's it's it is a winner go home situation. It's unlike any game that you've played, unless you've been in that in that seventh game of, of a World Series or something like that. It's it's uh, but more than anything else, I think you have to be able to help your players kind of control your emotions. Hopefully you've got enough veteran presence, which St. Louis does. These guys, there's a couple of guys on on that ball club that have been through all of it. They've got rings on their fingers. They understand what it means, but utilize their, uh, their experience, if you will, to, to help players through that, this situation to understand that, Hey, uh, you, you, you just go play one out at a time, one pitch at a time. That, the, all those cliches that you hear are so true. And then on the managerial side, you can't let this game get out of, out of hand, out of control too quickly. you got to be able to be quick on your decisions, make real-time decisions if, if something goes sideways for you. Jeff, I remember in the 2014 wildcard game, one thing that stunned everybody was the Royals' willingness to run on John Lester. And now we know it's because he doesn't throw over to first at all. But that was an advanced scouting decision that the Royals made because they saw something that others had not or at least had not exploited very often previously. How important is that kind of advanced scouting going into a game like this? And how much can you glean from it? Well, it's 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 funny you ask that question. Uh we had a little something on, on, on Johnny Cueto also um, going into the series and something that, you know, we had picked up in, in the dugouts uh, on a previous start that he had uh, against us. And so something we kind of held on to um, and took advantage of. Now, uh, I, you know, you can have all that information, you, but you have to be in, in, in situations that you can utilize that information. And, and so it is, it is vitally important. Like I said, that, that information that you get from your people, you got to be able to trust it. Uh, your players have to understand it. And, and you've got to be able to take a risk and, and take advantage of it. And, you know, as far as, you know, like the whole Lester situation, you know, we had just a one game deal against uh, in LA against Kershaw where, you know, it was back in, I think it, in, in 14, uh, you know, we had information and we were able to run uh, and it was, a, we stacked some left-handers in there against uh, Kershaw. So just the point is all that information is necessary, but you have to be able to be in position to use it. When you look at uh, this situation with, Max Scherzer and Adam Wainwright as a baseball fan, as a guy that has been up close in competition with these two guys, uh, this is about as good as it gets pitching wise. This should be a lot of fun tomorrow night. Well, dream for fans. 
Yes. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I don't know that it's such a dream for the hitters, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's for but, sure. Uh, you know what? This is this is old time, real. You know, you want to call it old school baseball? It is what it is. You got two warriors and, and, and these guys that know exactly what they're doing. One still has the power. The other one is is more finesse than. And just guile of pitching and, and guts and, and bubblegum, right? He's going to go out and, and do whatever he can. He knows it. And he's got his guy behind the plate. Uh, but this is going to be a real-time matchup that I think fans should should tune in. Uh, it's one that you want to see. Um, and it'll be fun to see how uh, the hitters navigate this. And can they take advantage of, of little situations that uh, maybe during the year, right? It's it's going to come down to uh, – I don't believe it's going to come down to three-run home runs. I think it's going to come down to some of that situational hitting that, that uh, sabermetric people don't like to talk about, but they're for real. Uh, you know, Can runners take advantage of, of a misplay in the outfield or a ball thrown to the wrong base or you know, a ball in the dirt? Uh, you know, things like that, that, that one run that's really going to mean something inside a game like this it's interesting you said that because you you led me right into my next question which was understood over the course of 162 what the front office is handing you in that that dugout and saying okay well analytically speaking this is something that you may want to think about and here's the umpteen different scenarios however in a one gamer max scherzer are you thinking about maybe going outside the box and bunting uh, asking your guys to do things that maybe they don't normally do in a 162 because runs could be at a premium, especially you know against a guy like Max Scherzer. Absolutely, and, and <clears throat> you have to. And, and, and so in 2015, you know the, the world called the Texas Rangers lucky because we did the combination of things that you're talking about. Uh, I believe that it's still necessary through 162. And, and exactly what you're talking about, these ace pitchers, that these number ones that, that you face, that you're just not going to pound the ball out of the ballpark. You can't expect that these guys are going to, to make mistakes. Will they? Yes. However, you can't expect it. So you have to be able to have the skill set to do the little things that it takes to win baseball games. You, have, you can't give the, the opposing team uh, extra opportunities. you got to handle the baseball, make routine plays. On the offensive side, take advantage of what's in front of you. Uh, there has to be a leadoff mentality for everybody that goes to the plate. We need we you need base runners. You need to be able to get base runners in scoring position and take advantage. If it's a ground ball to score a run, if it's a fly ball to score a run, if it's bunting a guy over, uh, absolutely because you may not get another chance uh, in any one of those innings. Jeff, I've been a little surprised, I got to be honest, and maybe I shouldn't be, but by the way that people are, the the analysis that I'm seeing on this game, it's a one-game sample size where basically anything can happen, as we've been talking about here in this conversation, but the vast majority of the people that I've seen are expecting, believing that the Dodgers are going to win this game. When you go into a scenario like that as a coach or as a manager, how do you... How do you rile up the troops, so to speak, to make sure that you are all together going into what's going to be a hostile environment out in L.A. and you're going up against a team that basically everybody outside of St. Louis is expecting to beat you? Well, that the rest of the world is doing it for you. You take advantage of that. I mean, we again, I go back to my own experiences and, and going all the way back to Pittsburgh, right? 
Cincinnati was was going to beat us, right? It was not. They had the the mighty Cueto. We had Liriano. Uh, you know, we we had a group of players that uh, you know some good players. Uh, we had a great center fielder. Uh, but the reality is, when you are told, when the entire world is telling you that you're not going to win that game, uh, it, the ability to play on that and to galvanize your players. I like to use those type uh, uh, situations. It's us against the world. And in 2015, again, when we started, we came out of a spring training. We were supposed to finish last. And, and I just kept telling our guys, the rest of the world is going to tell us we can't and we won't. All we have to do is prove them wrong. We make liars out of all of them. <laughs> I love that. Um, my final question for you, Jeff, is is just – uh, how you size up tomorrow? Scherzer, the mighty Dodgers, obviously us against the world kind of mentality. And obviously uh, you're looking at Wayno and a rejuvenated uh, Cardinals team, a different Cardinals team, obviously to get to this point. So how do you size up tomorrow? Well, first of all, Cardinals have been red hot. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the scary, scary part of this is, is that uh, with the Cardinals and what they did, down the stretch of the consecutive games won and, and, uh, and then having to take a, a day off, if you will. It's, it's like when you're playing well, you don't want to stop playing. Uh, you want to continue to play. Can those guys continue to, to, to have that focus and to have that energy? Because there is a little bit of letdown. And that's where that, that, that veteran presence in that clubhouse can probably bring that back up. On the Dodger side of it, it's you know it's the corporate corporate idea, right? Well, we've done this; we'll continue to do it. It's the the next day we're the mighty Dodgers. Reality is, you've got two pitchers on the mound going against each other that they know how to pitch, they know how to control the offense, they know. Uh, and so, uh, for the Cardinals, you got to stay away from from the big innings. Uh, you've got to continue to kind of play that one-run mentality. If you can get, get through there uh, early on without giving up a, a, a big number in any one inning, keep it close. I, I think that uh, the, uh, the Cardinals, the way they play the game, they'll have the ability if they can get into somewhere in that bullpen to, to uh, scratch a couple extra runs late. Awesome stuff. And uh, looking forward to seeing you back in a dugout next year very, very soon. And thanks for doing this. Outstanding, guys. Thank you so much. You got it. That is uh, Jeff Bannister. Had multiple conversations with him over the years when he was uh, a member of the Pirates staff. Uh, knew Clint Hurdle, so it was fun to always go over and visit with Clint. He was great with us and had a very good relationship with a couple of the, the different guys that I work with in the booth. So um, that was you know, you think about where they were, BK, when Clint took over. That was rough, man. Yeah. I mean, they really did change the the mindset and the culture right yeah, of the Pirates. And uh, unfortunately, you know, you think about it, they had the players there. And, they, and many of those players are still contributing. One will start tonight for the New York Yankees. Now, I'm not saying you can keep every player that comes through. It's tough. And in a smaller market, it is tough. And it is a football town. High school football town. It's a college football town. It's a football town. And hockey. And hockey. So you're you're kind of playing second fiddle. But they were able to turn that thing around to where it is a great sports town. And they've had great players. They've had the history. And they've got the ballpark. 
I, I don't know, man. That, that the, I've, I've talked to him so many times. He's an uplifting, upbeat, positive dude. You have to have that in your your dugout. You Absolutely. Have to. And they they had it, and they had they had a winning formula yes. there. But then they got greedy. And the weird thing about the Pirates is they actually went against their formula, and they made the trade for Chris Archer, and then everything else kind of went downhill from there. I had no idea. We were in town when they did that. We were there, and I remember saying, "I said, what are they doing?" I mean, I like the outfielder they gave up. I love the pitching they gave. Meadows, right? Is that the one? And I'm thinking, what? And and they weren't. It wasn't like they were ten games up. They were just trying to survive to get into postseason play. You're right. It went against the model. It just didn't make a lot of sense. It was strange. And now, if you imagine them with Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now instead of Chris Archer, like they. They'd be in a much better situation right now than they ultimately are. And then you look at some of the other guys that they ended up getting rid of, like Starling Marte and some of the outfielders that they've gone through. It's just strange. It's strange the way that they've gone about this. But see, like a guy like McCutcheon to me should never have left that town. Now, whether you think that his skills were fading and they may have been and he wasn't the elite player that he once was in an MVP, I understand that. But he had been ingrained in that community. He was the face of the turnaround. He was a guy that people liked. you got to keep those guys. I, I just believe that. I think that's part of changing the culture, which then all of a sudden fans buy in, meaning they buy tickets. They support you. Those are important things. Imagine if that team still has Starling Marte, Josh Harrison. Um, you add in Glass now. You add in Meadows, and you bring back Garrett um, Cole. I don't know if they would have been able to find that one because $300 million, that's a little bit different. But some of these guys that were getting $10, $15 million deals, you can afford that. I don't care what market you're in. You can afford to pay somebody $10 to $15 million, and they just opted not to. They went cheap, and this is what you get as a result of all of those decisions. Coming up, we're going to visit uh, with Brad Osmus. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. You know, one of the things that uh, made the the Cardinals and the Astros rivalry back in the day so much fun was the personalities and the players that were there regular season, postseason. That includes Brad Osmus, who then becomes a big league manager and Mike Matheny. Then he becomes a catcher that goes to be a big league manager. And uh, having done those games and doing those games now, I got to tell you, Brad, um, you were a thorn in the Cardinals side, by the way. Thanks for hopping on. This has been a, a, a lot of fun today. We had Jeff Bannister, now the uh, privilege to talk to you. How are things going? Uh, things are going good. No complaints. You know, just getting ready for a little uh, October baseball. I, I got to ask you before I start uh, and BK and I start to asking you about managers questions. Um, I've always wanted to ask you this. If Jimmy Edmonds doesn't make that catch in left center of game seven, uh, are the Astros going to the World Series in 04? Off your bat. Uh, you, you never know, but it certainly changes the complexion of the game. you got two runs in, and I'm probably standing on third. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. It was one of the great catches in postseason play. Um, let's talk about tomorrow. Winner take all. You're in the manager's seat. How do you manage these types of games? A game seven, a winner take all, as opposed to some game in June? Uh, there's no hedging. There's no... There's no let's play the long game, you know, uh, 
it's the the matchups are tremendous in terms of the pitchers. You know, you got Wainwright and Scherzer and, and Cole and Evaldi, and uh, uh, as much as you want to lean on those guys, you, you you try to. But if the if the game dictates that something has to be done or a, a move has to be made, um, you can't worry about the name on the, the back of the jerseys. You got to worry about the name on the front. That's what I wanted to ask you about specifically with Wayno, Brad, because you, you look at it here in St. Louis and, and Wayno is their guy. They believe in him. And Mike Schilt specifically has been around Wayno all of these years. He knows he can get out of sticky situations. But in a game like this, is this a situation where you have to go out there and tell him, hey, Wayno, I know it's the third inning, but we got to go to our pin here because we just can't afford to let you try to work out of it. You know, I think it probably depends on where he's at in the lineup and, and what time through the lineup he's, he, he is going through. Like, is this the second time or third time through the lineup? I mean, uh, Wayno is an extremely intelligent pitcher uh, at this point in his career. He's been a long, around a long time. He's been through a lot of postseasons. Um, I think he's more than proven that even without the elite 95-mile-an-hour fastball that he used to have, he's still got uh, – you know, tremendous ability to get out. And that's what he did this year. It was a really impressive season for him. So, um, I, you know, I think it really matters where he's at in the lineup and if what what rotation through the lineup this is. But, uh, and of course, the, the wild card is, uh, who are you bringing in? Are you bringing in someone that's more equipped to get the outs that you need in this situation? I, I was talking with BK, and we don't know about uh, Max Muncie and his availability um, going forward tomorrow. But something I, I just threw out there, I said, and I'm curious from a manager's perspective on this. You can have all the analytics. You've got all the matchups. Your front office has given you a pile of paperwork. But yet they can't measure Albert Pujols in a starting lineup, potentially, even though he's diminished from where he was, but in a winner-take-all against the St. Louis Cardinals. And I understand that he's had issues with righties and you want to see him against a lefty off the bench. I get it. But it's Albert Pujols and uh, there's something to that. Would that be something of a conversation that you would have with your bench, your bench coach and say, hey, do we want to take this uh, hunch? And maybe I understand the stakes are big, but look who we have here. Look who he's going against and maybe we catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe uh, I do. I think the emotion plays into it, especially for a guy like Albert, because he can run on emotion a little bit. Uh, and in a one-game playoff, that probably carries a little bit more weight. Uh, I guess the other side of that coin is, or do you do what you've done all year in terms of the matchup situation, right. and and you're holding Albert for that lefty out of the pen? That's yeah. That's the crux of it right there. We're talking to Brad Osmus here on 101 ESPN. Brad, when you're a manager of a team that is going into a game like this against the Dodgers and everybody in the world seemingly believes that the Dodgers are going to win because they're the 106 win team. They've got the 200 plus million dollar payroll. They've got the likely Cy Young award winner, at least one of the top two candidates for in the National League. When you're the manager of the other team that's going into their place, What's the message going into tomorrow night's game? Uh, I think there's it's a, a two-tiered message. One, um, we've got nothing to lose. No one expects us to win. And uh, and two, um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, two, anything can happen in a one-game playoff. Baseball is is very different from other sports in that sense. In that, if if Adam Wainwright goes out there and pitches a great game, regardless of the All Stars in that lineup for the Dodgers, 
the Cardinals can win that game. Uh, I promise you right now that Dave Roberts would much rather have the uh, division series in front of him instead of a one-game playoff against any team, Uh, not just the Cardinals, who obviously earned it, uh, but nobody wants a one-game playoff in baseball because anything can happen. Absolutely. What's your approach against Max Scherzer? Are you are you going to bunt a little bit more? Are you thinking about running if you get somebody on? How do you try to rattle him and 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 defeat him? Because it's going to be very very tough. Uh, it's going to be very tough. The swings and misses play a big part. You know, yes. you, you try to get him in the zone. You try to not chase that high fastball up uh, that rides up above the uh, the strike zone or you know right around the, the letters. Um, but he's got such great stuff. It's so difficult to do, and he still throws hard. Um, you know, you, the, the whole key is getting him in the strike. So I don't know if you bunt more. You you have to have the personnel that 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 can do it. You know, maybe if the, if Tommy Edmonds at the plate in situation situation with a couple runners on, but you're certainly not going to ask Arenado or Goldschmidt or some of these guys in the heart of the lineup to lay down a bunt. So it really just depends on where you are. You assume it's going to be a low scoring game, uh, and you maybe take advantage of of getting a few runs through small ball. But again, it's the personnel that are at the plate at the time, and uh, can they do it? Brad, there's been a lot that's been written about the shadows in, in Dodger Stadium and what that's going to be like. It's a 5-10 local start in this one tomorrow evening. You played out in L.A. at the end of your career. What's that like, those late evening, early evening, I guess you could call it, uh, start times out in L.A.? Uh, this time of year shouldn't be too bad, I wouldn't think. Not at 5-10. It may be a little bit in the first inning or two. But I think that I would imagine the shadows be gone at that point. And I, I don't, you know, midsummer when the days are long, yes, the, and you're playing like the four o'clock game, yeah, the shadows can become an issue. I, I wouldn't think it'd be a, too big of a problem, at, at least for very long in this game. Hey, Brad, thanks for uh, hopping on. We appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you back in a dugout very, very soon. And um, thanks for coming on the show and talking a little baseball with us. All right, guys, my pleasure. You got it. That is uh, Brad Osmus, longtime catcher and uh, obviously manager at a couple of different stops with the Angels and the Tigers. Appreciate him hopping on with us today. Dan, I think the, the biggest thing that I've taken away from our conversations with both Jeff Bannister and Brad Osmus is just the way that you have to manage completely differently. Everything yeah. that you do in a 162-game regular season, anything you would do in the NLDS or CS or the World Series, throw that all away. The playbook of here's what you do as a manager in these specific spots, toss it in the garbage because a one game sample size and a win or go home scenario, it's completely different and you have to trust your guys. Absolutely. I I agree with that 100%, but you also have to be uber aggressive in a game like this. I think you brought up a great point um, when you were asking about the shadows, Uh, having done games out there at that time of, um, of day. It does become a factor. It, yep. It's it's not easy, man. It's kind of like in St. Louis when it, we hit October. And I remember, I think it was Lance Berkman in 11 or 12, whatever it was. And um, he said, man, somebody's going to get killed out here. I can't even see the ball. You know, talking about how tough it can be to pick up the ball. And then you're, you're talking about defensively, there's issues with that. Um, a guy like Scherzer, though, man, he has been so good this year. And I think what we have found out in visiting with these managers, and I think both of us agreed, is that the minute that you get into problems with your guy, you take him out. And with Scherzer, because, and I thought Brad Osmus brought up a very interesting point. So if you're thinking about running, a lot of times the running is done because you feel that you have protection at the plate, but you're going to get a lot of swings and misses with Max Scherzer. That's just the way it goes. So 
Are you going to be a little bit resident to, to not do that, you know, hesitant to not do that? Um, that's something to think about going forward in this game tomorrow. There's just so many different things. Yeah, and we got a text, 65780 is your comfort service text line to get involved in the show at any point in time. This comes from the 314. Hey, why does BK want to take out Wayno in the third so bad? What's your problem with Wayno? I get it. If, you, if you're listening to my line of questioning, it may sound that way. That's not what I'm saying at all. I hope Wayno goes nine. I hope he throws a complete game shutout tomorrow, and he's fantastic, and he's the reason that the Cardinals win. And then they go into the NLDS with a completely rested, completely healthy, ready-to-go bullpen uh, to start out that series that would be my best case scenario the likelihood is that's not how this is going to go the Dodgers have a fantastic lineup it's if not the best among the best in the league and if you specifically look at the top of their lineup I mean it is a daunting task to get through that thing multiple times and so if you're going into this particular game against the Dodgers and Adam Wainwright is in whether it be the third or the fifth wherever it is Normally, you would trust Wayno to get through those spots because he's done it before. He'll do it again. And as Brad Osmus says, he has all the experience in the world. and He's an unbelievably smart pitcher with the way that he attacks guys. Normally, I'd be 100% behind those decisions to stick with him in those tough spots. This is different. If you get into a spot where a lefty's coming up and you need a double play ball, you bring in TJ McFarland in that spot. If you get into a situation where a righty's coming up and you need both length because it's the third or fourth inning and a double play ball, you're probably going to go to Dakota Hudson in that spot in my mind because he's a guy that can get that for you. So you just have to manage this thing a little bit differently. And yes, that does play into the way that Adam Wainwright is able to stay deep into this game. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. Back with more in a moment. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mack Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Tanner just said he wants to go party with Urban Meyer. Oh, is that what he said? Yes. I remember making that comment. <laughs> wow. Can I read you a report yeah. that just came out on Urban Meyer, That's by the what, way? I uh, want to hear it. Yeah. So this is from Mike Silver of NFL Network says the Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a, quote, crisis point, especially in the locker room. One player told me, quote, he has zero credibility inside of the stadium. He had very little to begin with. Wow. Urban Meyer really told the media yesterday publicly. He stated this publicly. Yeah, I didn't get on the, the plane to come back to Jacksonville. I just stayed in Ohio after the Bengals game. I have never once, Dan, in all of my time, heard of any coach doing that on any level any level forget like even a high school coach not getting on the bus to go back to the high school i've never heard of that much less an nfl head football coach whose job is to be in charge of this team being like hey guys um i'll see you on tuesday it's thursday night football game we're in ohio i have a big name here i'm gonna go party with some of my boys i'll see you guys next week never in a million years would yeah. i have imagined that that would happen our meyer's done <laughs> It's he hasn't been fired yet, but it's just a matter of time before he's hired. It's amazing or fired. Yeah, I mean, not good. Video came out, Whew. pictures, things of that nature. He's out partying, doing his thing. Tanner wanted to be a part of it, wasn't invited. I don't Come want on, to dog. join him. He's kind of old for me. So who do you want to party he's kind with? Of old. Who do you want to party with, Tanner? I don't know. I'll go party with the Cardinal guys. <laughs> the Cardinal after they win the World Series. That? Yeah, after I feel they win like you'd be a Lars Newbar I thought you like Cliff oh, Kingsbury. Oh no! That, okay. Did Cody. anybody have more fun, by the way, Dan, in the, the new- Cardinal celebration, the Newbar? You know, that's a thing. Uh, I remember a few years ago, the Cardinals 
wrapped it up in, uh, I think it was Milwaukee, and I'm, I'm back having dinner at the team hotel, and, and you can kind of walk through, and, and it's in the middle of the lobby, and I see John Smoltz there, and I, I, I was like, how come you're not partying it up with the guys in the clubhouse? You know, I got out of there early, whatever, and, and he says, uh, yeah, kind of been there, done it. You know, he said, it's for the young guys. Yeah. Let them enjoy it. And I said, okay. And sure enough, that first time, that first experience, man, those guys get after it. They have fun. It's great. I love it. And it wasn't just him. You know who's really surprised me with the way that they've come out of their shell? is Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt seems to really be enjoying this ride right now with the Cardinals. You know who I think has had uh, an infectious personality with that is Bader. I, you know, he's, to me, turned into a leader on this team. And you got, you got to have a little bit of the crazy guy. You got to have the, the the guy that's all business. You got to have the guy that does this and does that. The odd couple almost the in, mix, in a lot of ways. The mixture of it. You know, like when, when he slid into Wrigley and they replayed that slide and they challenged and he got the, uh, the, the challenge went the Cardinals way. And he's sitting there, you know, like doing headbangers ball in the dugout, you know, when they get that and he puts his hands up and guys are looking at him like he is insane. Celebrating with the kids behind him. The kids behind him are pounding on the dugout. It was awesome. I I just think, you know, guys get a kick out of it. You got to have that. I think they really, I think we now know based on the hindsight being 2020, them missing Harrison Bader at the beginning of the year was a big part of why they were struggling. The Absolutely. Way they were. It was 100%. a huge part of it because you move, you ended up moving Edmund out to the outfield. The time. Yes. You were right. And you had Carlson playing out of position in center. Bader yep. settles everything down out there. He brings so much energy to the lineup on a day-to-day basis. And Dan, I, I know they're playing a kid's game and they're making a lot of money to do it. But 162 games is a long summer. And if you don't have somebody like that in the clubhouse every day, it can become so damn monotonous. For sure. And for a guy like Bader to be able to break that up with the energy and excitement and passion that he brings on a day-to-day basis, it's important. Yes. You got uh, your show coming up three hours with Alex Ferrario. I'm looking forward to it, Dan. We have a loaded guest list coming up today. So I'll go ahead and give you all of these here in one fell swoop. We've got Terry Collins, the former Mets manager, coming up at 1115. We've got Eno Saris, who's one of the best baseball writers on pitching specifically coming up at 12. I want to get his thoughts on the pitching matchups in this game. We've got Matt Adams, the former Cardinals first baseman, coming up at 1230. Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio at 1 o'clock. And Jeremy Rutherford to finish things off coming up at 130. So a jam-packed show from 11 to 2. Lots and lots and lots of Cardinals-Dodgers breakdown between 11 and 130 specifically. Awesome stuff. You're loaded up and we'll talk to everybody tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're gonna pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.